We are going to start off our service with a story this morning, uh, sort of a parable, if you will. And it's about a man who was, had, had some really good news to share with his neighborhood and with his friends and his family. And so how was he going to share this good news? Well, with something that speaks to all of us over food. Can I get an Amen. He was going to have a huge cookout for his neighborhood and for his friends and his family. But with such a big, daunting task, he needed some assistance to prepare this event. And so one day he's at the gym and he sees his best gym buddy there. And he goes up to him and he says, would you help me prepare this meal for my friends in my neighborhood? Would you come and eat and drink with us? I have good news to share. And his friend looks at him, and he looks him up and down, and he says, well, what kind of food are you making? Because I'm on a special diet, and I'm not coming if it's not specific for me. The man is slightly discouraged, when he, and he moves along. And he's texting one of his friends, and, and he says, will you come and eat and drink and assist me in preparing this meal for our neighborhood? I have good news to share. And his friend texts him back, well, he says, is this person, this person, and this person going to be there? Because I don't go to dinners with people that offend me. And the man is disappointed again. Later, he's coming home, and he sees one of his neighbors out in their driveway, and he goes up to him, and he says, I am preparing this meal for my friends and for the neighborhood because I have good news to share. Would you come and eat and drink with me and listen to this good news? Help me prepare this meal. And his friend looks at him and he says, well, what kind of music is going to be on? Because I only go to places with music that I like. And he's disappointed again. Later, he receives a work email from a coworker, And uh, in desperation, he asks his coworker, I'm preparing this meal for my friends and my neighborhood. Would you come help me prepare, eat, and drink with us and listen to the good news? And his coworker responds to the email and he says, dude, I've got friends, I've got family, I've got kids, I've got work, I've got hobbies, I have things to do, I'm too busy, I don't have time. And he quickly turns the conversation back to work. And the man is disappointed again. So the man goes home and he prepares the meal by himself, his entire meal, and he goes walking through the neighborhood to invite someone to come and to listen to this good news and to eat and drink with him. While walking the streets, as you mentioned earlier, none of his neighbors or friends says yes, but he does see a homeless man on the street, and he says, hey, I've got food, I've got drink, I've got good news. Will you come and eat with me and just listen to the good news that I have to share? And the, the man says yes, and, and he goes back to his place, and they eat, and they drink, and he listens to the good news that the man had to share. Now, the man who hosted this event, he asks the one person who came, this homeless man, he says, I asked all of my friends and my neighborhood to come to this event for me, and you were the only one who came. Why? He says, well, I was hungry, and I was thirsty, and you fed me. I was hungry for bread, but you fed my soul. I was thirsty for water, but you made me feel like I was drinking life. The man was so encouraged by that. And he looked at the man, at this homeless man that he invited to his event. He said, I just have one more question for you then. 
who else do we need to invite to our table? Who else do we need to invite to our table? Would you pray with me before we get started this morning? Heavenly Father, God, what a gift you have given us, Jesus. What a gift you have given us in our, in our salvation, in our ability to know you and to be near you. And, and God, what a gift you have given us that you dwell inside of us, God. What a gift. Jesus, as we continue the series and we ask, who do we need to invite to our table? God, would you just permeate our souls? Jesus, would you just invade our hearts and our minds, God? Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours, Jesus? You are King Jesus. You are Lord of our lives. And whatever you have next for us, God, we want to be ready for. We desire it, Jesus. We desire your plans and your ways, God. We desire to have a heart after your own. So Jesus, fill this room this morning. I say it a lot, and I'm going to say it again. Any opinions or preferences that we may have brought into this place this morning, Father God, may we leave those at the door, and may we be prepared for what you have for us this morning, Jesus, because you are better. We love you, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus and his disciples decided to take a shortcut, so they went through Samaria. They got to a well, and the disciples left Jesus there, went into town, and it would be there he'd encounter a woman, and it would change her life. Around noon, this woman comes to get some water at the well. How very unusual. You don't go out at noon to get the water. The women go early in the morning when it's cooler. They go together for protection, and also it's just a great time to hang out and gossip and talk about life. It's a social time. And yet we have this woman at noon by herself. Jesus starts talking to her, and we see that in John 4, 7. He says, will you give me a drink? But here's the deal. You don't do that. You don't talk to this woman. Why, why not? Well, not in Jesus' time you don't. Why? Because she's a Samaritan. You have to understand, the Jews did not like Samaritans. They did not hang out with them. They didn't do life together. See, they looked down on the Samaritans. The Samaritans are what they called half-breeds. They had a Jewish lineage but they had intermixed with the Greek culture, the Roman culture, the Assyrians, those around them. And so the Jews, the Orthodox Jews, they looked upon this group of people called the Samaritans and called them half-breeds. They weren't worthy of their time. They weren't worthy of their effort. It was racism, pure and simple. These people aren't like us. And Jesus, being a Jewish man, engaging her was completely wrong. Party foul number one. The other thing was this woman is a woman. You say, what's the big deal? Well, Jesus was a single man. And what you have to understand in this time, in this culture, single Jewish men don't talk to women alone. It's not allowed. It's against the rules. You're not allowed to engage other women ever. And here Jesus is having this conversation with this woman completely unsupervised. Party file number two. 
Jesus was a rabbi. That's what they called him. He's a teacher, even a prophet. And see, teachers in this time, Jewish ones in particular, they didn't hang around with anything unclean or impure. It wasn't allowed. And we would find out as the story goes on that this woman that he was talking to was anything but clean. She was quite impure. Party foul number three. And so it should be absolutely no surprise then when this woman says in verse 9, she says, you are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You're not supposed to. You don't do it. It's against the rules. But then Jesus does what he does so many times before. I love this. He moves the conversation from earthly concerns to spiritual matters constantly trying to shift the conversation and listen Jesus knew good and well this conversation was completely taboo it shouldn't have happened but guess what he doesn't care he engages the conversation anyways what does he say to her in verse 10? He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And at first reading, we're like, oh, that sounds really good. But let's take a step back. What's living water? What is it? Would I even want it? And our first clue is to understand again back in the culture what living water meant. Living water meant moving water like a stream or a brook or a river it wasn't water that sat still living water moved jesus was telling her you need this living water and, and what you have to understand from a jewish perspective only living water moving water was appropriate for cleansing and for bathing and for preparing to go into the temple or to worship god this is why John the Baptist baptized people in the Jordan and rivers, because it was living water. You need living water to cleanse you and prepare you for worship. Well, the woman's intrigued, so she asks in verse 11, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can I get this living water? Notice what she did? she swung that conversation back again to earthly concerns. Where's your bucket? Where's your ladle? How do you plan to get this water? Jesus, of course, doesn't fall for it. And as he always does, he moves the conversation again from earthly things to spiritual things. And so do we see in verse 13, he says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, if you drink this water in the well, you're going to be thirsty again. If you drink my water, the Jesus water, you will never be thirsty. And if at the moment you're kind of confused, that's okay. The woman was thoroughly confused at this point. So what does she do? She swings the conversation back again to earthly concerns. 
Verse 15, she says, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, remember, she's out there at noon, alone. It's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to go early in the morning with your friends for protection, for conversation, for fun. But here she is by herself. She's hiding. This woman has secrets. And Jesus knows that. Why? Because you can't hide from God. You can't. You can't hide from God. So what's he tell her? In verse 16, go call your husband and come back. Kind of an unusual request, isn't it? You're talking about living water. So suddenly the conversation changes. like, go, go get your husband. Tell him to come here. A little random. We'll find out why. Because in verse 17, she says, I have no husband. She's got secrets. See, what's going on here? Well, we're about to find out. Because what's Jesus do? What Jesus does in a special, unique way in all of our lives that have been transformed. He looks at her and he says, you are right when you say you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. Or in other words, the man you're living with now isn't. moment of truth suddenly whatever mask she's been wearing or things she's been trying to hide behind she's exposed she's naked there's no more pretending her sin is laid bare I mean even in our culture where we don't necessarily have a culture of shame uh, but even in our culture when somebody has had five husbands and is living with another person we would be suspicious of that person but you need to know in the Jewish culture it was completely unacceptable and in the Samaritan culture it was unacceptable this woman's life was a mess and it was filled with shame and regret and this is why she was hiding she was avoiding but notice what she does next. Jesus just revealed to her her sin, shines the light on it. And what, what does she do next? She says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Well, first off, she swings it again out of spiritual, right back to earthly things. But what's going on in this conversation? She's like, listen, let's talk about anything other than my failures. Let's move this spotlight you put on my sin over to the side. Let's just talk about something else. How about we talk about religion? How about we talk about worship? I hear you people do it this way, but I think it's supposed to be this way. I hear you have these preferences, but I, I think maybe this is the right way to do it. What's she doing? Well, we've got a word for that, a couple words for it. Denial and deflecting. Let's talk about anything but my sin. Anything. 
In fact, I'd rather just argue about religion, if that's okay. Anything except, I got to change. And I wonder, how often do we argue about trivial things and worship and how to worship and preferences? How often do we focus on those things rather than truly trying to understand what the problem is and inviting people to drink from the living water. In this story, we see two, two things at play, both of which can be dangerous. The first one is prejudice. The Samaritan woman. There's only a certain kind of people that I can hang out with, talk to, do life with. Certain ones I can talk to, others I cannot. And the second thing we see at play here, preferences. I think worship should look like this. I think church is this. In fact, the proper place to worship, remember she said, is up on this mountain versus Jerusalem. And I wonder how often our prejudices and our preferences get in the way. How often are they a barrier rather than a bridge with someone else? And how often do we focus on them rather than drinking from the living water and being purified of our sin so that we can worship Christ in freedom? Jesus, of course, would explain to this woman that a time is coming where where you worship doesn't matter. These little trivial details that we like to fight over and argue about, these things aren't going to matter. Jesus says, you know what's going to matter? That a day is coming you will worship me in spirit and in truth. These are the things that matter. And you've got to have both. It's spirit and truth, not one or the other. If you only have spirit, you run the risk of heresy. If all you have is truth, you become a Pharisee. You've got to have both. Notice what she says next, though. Verse 25. She says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. You know what's really cool here? in her hiding and in her despair, this woman at least had one thing that a lot of people today are missing. She had hope. Did you hear that? I know a Messiah's coming. I know there's going to be deliverance. I am hopeful for salvation. Freedom is on its way. And how does Jesus respond to that? In verse 26, I, the one you're speaking to, I'm he. I'm the Messiah. But I don't want you to miss this. Hang with me for just a second here. If you hear anything else, don't miss this. In the book of John, the very first person Jesus told and admitted publicly that he was the Messiah to. It was not a man. It was not a Jew. 
wasn't a religious leader or a person of power and authority. The very first person Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah to was a Samaritan woman who'd had five husbands and was living with a man out of wedlock. What's he saying? This living water is for everyone. This living water is for anyone. This living water is for you. Why this story? Why today? Well, I was reminded as we begin to approach this time of the table and communion that there was a night where Jesus had a meal with his disciples. It was the night that he was to be arrested, tried, ultimately crucified. That around this table of promise and covenant, this new thing that was about to begin, around this table was a tax collector, political insurgents, a denier, a betrayer, an opportunist, a doubter, a thief, racist, you Name it. It was a messy, messy table full of messy people. Jesus didn't come, however, for perfect people, did he? He said, I came to save the lost. This table is for the hurting and the broken and the lost and for those who are hiding and may be full of shame and regret in their life. This table's for everyone. Come drink. It's for you. But we can't stop there. It could be real easy to stop our story there and just say, yes, this table's for me and my healing and my need to live in freedom without guilt and without shame. We, we can stop there really easy. But I think there's a couple of important questions we need to ask. You see, this table isn't just for you. And so we're forced to ask the question, who do you need to invite to the table? Who's that person? Who's your one? Who else needs to experience the living water that only Jesus can provide? And the second question's a little bit tougher, but I need you to wrestle with this one. Are there prejudices and preferences getting in the way of your worship of Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth? Do you have prejudices that get in the way? How about preferences? Do you have Samaritans in your life? You know. They don't look like you, talk like you, hang out in your hood. They don't believe what you believe and may not even have your skin color. Are there people who are beneath you? Is there really anybody out there who is beyond grace? And let me ask you this. Are you more concerned with the building we worship in? Style of music? What people wear? 
You one of those people that'd rather sit around arguing about the finer points of scripture rather than finding the broken outcasts who are in desperate need of living water. Do your prejudices and your preferences get in the way? And who, my friend, do you need to invite to this table? Because it's not just for you. The living water is for everyone. Dear Heavenly Father, show us our hearts just as you revealed to this Samaritan woman the, the sin she was trying to hide. She was running from it. Reveal to us those things that maybe we're running from, hiding from, regrets, failures, hurts, pains, whatever it may be. Reveal inside of us, Lord, any prejudices we may have where we see others as anything less than just you, they are the image of you. And Lord, put our preferences aside. We don't need to argue about whether we worship on a mountain or a Jerusalem or what kind of music or carpet colors and what people wear. <laughs> This world is full of people who need to drink from the well of everlasting life. They need Jesus. So forgive us, Lord, of our prejudices and forgive us of our preferences. Clean this house. And remind us and convict us who else needs to be invited to this table. 